On this episode of This Week in Linux, we're back. And this week's episode is jam-packed with good news. We got a new Linux kernel, new updates from LibreOffice, Nextcloud, VLC, and a bunch more. We saw some hardware announcements from the KDE and Mycroft teams, huge desktop environment releases from Mate and KDE Plasma, and a bunch more. Just It's lots of more content, just jam-packed. I'm Michael Tanell with Tux Digital, and this is your weekly source for Linux GNUs. Up first in the news this week is Linux kernel 4.15 was released, and this includes patches for Meltdown and Spectre. Uh, there's also patches for all the other diff- all the other currently supported kernels out there. So like 4.4 has support, 4.13 has support, etc. So as far as that goes, Meltdown Inspector is mitigated in uh, many levels. But what this this particular release of the Linux kernel also adds support for the new RISC-V architecture, which is an open source uh, CPU architecture, which is really cool. Um, hopefully that picks up some more um, RISC-V. Is it RISC-V or RISC-V? I think it's RISC-V, actually. Anyway, it, when if it picks up more steam, it's going to be much better for the like the computing world in general, unfortunately they they named it Risk, which is not very good branding. They should you know rethink that. Anyway, uh, also included in four fifteen is um, an improvement for mod setting so that you can have uh, better supply uh, met- mode setting. Sorry, mode setting, better display support for AMD GPU driver for AMD uh, graphics. You have also improved power management for like SATA link power management as well. Um, so just like just improved uh, resources and efficiency for that. We also got support for AMD secured encrypted virtualization and user mode instruction prevention, Intel security. Yeah, that just rolls off the tongue. Still, great updates and uh, 4.15. Is is um, I can't wait to use it, and 4.16 is already looking really cool because all the updates that are coming. Great time to use Linux, and great time to be back doing a Linux news show. We had some pretty sad news this week with uh, John Perry Barlow, the co-founder of the EFF, uh, died, unfortunately, and this is what the executive director of the EFF said, uh, Cindy Cohn. It is no exaggeration to say that major parts of the internet we all know and love today exist and thrive because of Barlow's vision and leadership. He always saw the internet as a fundamental place of freedom where voices long silenced can find an audience and people can connect with others regardless of physical distance. And I just wanted to say thank you, John, for everything you've done, and you'll be missed. This week we got the release of VLC 3.0, which is the uh, being claimed as the biggest release ever in the history of VLC, which is pretty accurate. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, the they added support for HDR video, which is awesome. Um, they've added support for uh, 360 video, which is awesome. 360 video on your desktop is a little awkward, but it's still cool. Uh, Chromecast streaming has been added. 3D audio support. So uh, with audio pass-through for HD HD audio codecs. Really cool. 
So you can be like a VR situation kind of structure. Like that's cool. Support for browsing a NAS drive built into the the application. So like they already have like an audio library that you can you know browse through and stuff like that, which is really cool. And it's nice to see them add that. Activates hardware decoding by default, which is fantastic. So like uh, GPU encoding and stuff like that. So good. And uh, decoding, I mean. I said encoding. I meant decoding. Anyway, VLC's new release, uh, Veterinary? Veterinary? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, VLC 3.0, huge update. Very happy. Yeah. LibreOffice 6.0 was released this week, and with it comes a lot of cool uh, improvements, as well as like nice design improvements. So first, we got better file compatibility with Microsoft Office documents. That's always good. There's the design improvements, so you can have the ribbon UI. So it's not on by default. You just change it, and you can now have like a ribbon style that's similar to how Microsoft Office is made. Um, they have the, the group bar, grouped bar, mm, multiple levels of the for the the uh, ribbon is the is the is the grouped bar. You can also have a minimized uh, ribbon ribbon UI if you want with a tabbed compact bar. They've also added some nice um, improvements for the UI with elementary icons. Unfortunately, they're not on by default for some reason. They still have the Tango default icons. I, uh, why? Anyway, uh, it's it's glad they're making improvements. Maybe they're like doing like a gradual, slow transition so that it's not like jarring but it, it needs to be jarring because the tango icons are super old and they don't look good and you need to use elementary and fix it uh anyway they also improved the ui for qt develop uh, display so that you can use uh Lib LibreOffice on kde plasma much more uh seamless and it, it doesn't look like it's off it looks it looks great now they got uh, based on my testing they seem to have gotten rid of the terrible gradient that was in the toolbars when you used a dark theme. Uh, I could be wrong. I maybe it was just on my particular testing of that particular toolkit, but hopefully it's on all of them. I'm either way. You know, it's good they did a little bit. They also added EPUB support. Well, exporting where you can write a document in LibreOffice and then like write a book, like an ebook in LibreOffice and export it as directly as an EPUB file which is fantastic. That's been needed for a while for a lot of people. They've added ability to uh, use OpenGPG for encrypted files so you can sign documents that way. And they've just, overall, just a lot of really cool improvements like standard compliance compatibility with PDF forms. So that's, I mean, that's something I've been wanting for a very long time. And it's fantastic that they've added it. So... LibreOffice uh, 6.0. Nextcloud 13 was released this week, and it comes with, like, there's a lot of new interface improvements for a lot of different applications, so it's really cool that Nextcloud is getting it, better interface. But more importantly, it is way faster, like, absurdly faster. The There's an 80% increase for the LDAP support. There is a 10 times faster access to external storage that it's mainly because they 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 used to do it in a way where 
they would uh, send signals and queries to the ser to the server based on users and objects, and, and like it would just continuously do it. Now they do it at like one time, parse it once, and then just take all the data that they collect from that one signal and then parse through it, which means that the cache that you can you're looking through is a lot more like it's like read only type, so it's a lot faster to pull that in and uh, a dude make adjustments and use use the functionality for it. So great job. Um, kind of weird that you didn't have that already, but it's fantastic that you do now. So good job on that. They added end-to-end -end encryption, which is uh, something that's been needed for a while. Um, quick note, though, if you have files in your NextCloud with encryption, you need to make sure that you don't change your password unless you have like a secret key set up that is associated to that that password so you can have a file like if you do change your password your files are not locked away because that's how they do the encryption so you know quick tip about that um, they've also improved the elastic search which is the quick search thing and allows for full t full text search making it even low lower overhead for the server when you're doing search processes so that's great now this is cool that they added it. There's a little caveat to it, though. It's really cool. They added this thing called NextCloud Talk. It's essentially like a like a Google Hangouts alternative, or like a Zoom.us or a Peer.in or whatever. It's it's a WebRTC-based video conferencing and chat system. So it's really cool that they added this though I tried it and it did not work for me. I don't know if it's ready in general, but maybe it was my particular configuration or something. I don't know, but it did not work. Anyway, I'm still looking forward to it, to using it when it does. NextCloud 13. You get 2.2.0 was released, and with it is a new stable a stable release that comes with a lot of cool features. I like to think they're cool. Uh, uh, just to clear this little disclaimer, this is an application that I work on. So it is kind of self-serving, but it's a free open source application, so not really that much self-serving. Anyway, it's also fantastic. I'm, just, I'm completely unbiased, obviously. Uh, the new version has support for downloading. Uh, it's a, Oh, it's a download manager, if I hadn't said that. And it has support for downloading videos from YouTube and from Mega, the Mega service like mega.co.nz. So you can download files from there as well. And it has added batch downloading for up to three wildcards in a you know sequenced download. And it also adds better support for Wayland. We, we fixed some uh, app indicator issues. And one of the best things that other than the you know the YouTube support that people have wanted, well, the other thing that people have been wanting is a browser extension for Chrome. Well, we've added that. There's now a browser extension, and this new browser extension is like a, turns out the Firefox 57 quantum thing made this easier to make an extension for Firefox as well. So the same extension works on Firefox, Chrome, Chromium, Vivaldi, Opera, and theoretically other ones as well. But for, for now, those ones have been tested and do work. So, that's cool about the release. The other thing, you see it says celebrating 15 years. Well, the application was first launched in 
2003. So it's been 15 years. I haven't been working on that the project for 15 years. I'm about, I'm about like 10 years. I've been on it for 10 years. But the application has been around 15 years. And we're celebrating it with a new release and a new website that technically is not live yet. So viewers of this show will be the first to see it, especially the live stream. If you've not been to the live stream before and you're interested, you should totally do that because I do things like this and other things because, you know. But the next version of the website for you get will look like this and be a lot, a lot nicer. So, yeah, that's coming soon. Anyway, you get... 2.2.0. Up next in the show is personal finance applications. I know, exciting, right? The There's three applications that were updated this week. And, well, close enough to this week, so I'm going to count it. KMyMoney, Scrooge, and GNU Cash. So first up is KMyMoney. Uh, KMyMoney and Scrooge are both made by uh, the KDE community. Uh, not necessarily the, the KDE team or whatever, but like the, the community in general. Yes, using the KDE stack and stuff. Anyway, so KMyMoney was ported to KDE Frameworks 5, and it has it includes many bug fixes. Frameworks 5 in, itself is important because that's the, the, the frameworks that the applications are using for the Plasma 5 uh, transition thing. Uh, anyway, the improvements have been uh, plethora, uh, improving uh, generating money reports, added support for a lot more currencies, and added support for logarithmic axes in report graphics. I don't actually know what that means. That last part, I don't know. But it sounds cool, because who doesn't love a logarithmic axe, axe or whatever? That sounds fun. Anyway, also updated this week was Scrooge. And Scrooge is a fun name. You know, some people make fun of the, the KDE naming scheme where they have like K whatever. Not all applications do that. So Scrooge, I love that name. It's fun. It's It makes a reference to Ebenezer Scrooge. Good. Anyway, moving on. The This application updated with a lot of cool things. So you have like a now a, a tip of the day uh, thing that's uh, in a clickable like section of the page of the, of the window. So it like gives you tips every time you open it, which is good because it's like finance tips and, you know, that's always helpful. They've made a lot of cool improvements to the cute the cute version. They've also made some important uh, performance improvements. So you can now resize columns, uh, the visibility of columns, modify the uh, like automatic category structure for like payee systems, and it's made improvements for a lot of different uh, just up, uh, performance enhancement stuff. But... What's really interesting about this particular update is that it's added support for cryptocurrencies. I mean, there's been a little bit of cryptocurrencies already in works, but now they're at over a, like about 100. I think it's 100, maybe a little bit more, of support for cryptocurrencies that you can manage via Scrooge. That is really cool. So, you know, cryptocurrencies themselves are pretty complicated. Personal finance, pretty complicated. Might as well have one manager that does it all. Fantastic. Next in the personal finance of the week is GNU Cash. Now, the, the update for GNU Cash is actually just a uh, development update. 
So the latest version of the stable release is not out yet, but the beta release has improvements to the uh, Alpha Advantage API. So that's that's pretty cool, and it's uh, it'll, it gives you more preference control and things like that. Overall, it's just a basic, uh, not basic. It's just a development build, so it's it's recommended to not use it in production. But if you want to give it a shot, go ahead. Anyway, personal finance in Linux. If you didn't know you could do it, now you do. And uh, I would say enjoy, but it's personal finance and management and stuff. So, like, good luck, I guess. Ranger 1.9.0 was released this week. And it's come, it's, uh, if you haven't heard of Ranger, Ranger is a Vim-inspired file manager for the, for the command line. It has a minimalistic curses interface with a di directory hierarchy. And it has a file launcher called Rifle, which is, Rifle is really cool. What it does is, it, it when you try to activate a file, uh, it will automatically detect what programs you want based on the file type, and then launches that program for that file. So that is a really cool idea. So overall, they've added some interesting up updates, but like, it's mostly I wanted to show you that like they, they, it is a new update, but I wanted to show you that if you haven't heard of Ranger, it's a, it's a really cool application, and it makes uh, terminal file management really easy to use. Instead of having to CD everywhere, you can use Ranger, and it's great. So they've added some like terminology-based image previews, and they've improved some uh, a setting for like font height and font width, so you can make it look a little better in the interface. But overall, it's just it's an application I want you to check out because I like it. And if you want to manage files in the command line, then it's a fantastic option to do so. Music Cube 0.40.0 was released this week, and it is a terminal-based audio engine and music player and audio server and a bunch of other stuff, audio library management. And uh, Anyway, so Music Cube, really cool, written in C++. It can be set up as a, you know, you can play music through it. You can browse your audio library with it. You can set up a streaming server with it so that you, what's even cooler than that is that they have an Android app called Music Droid, spelled the same way the music is with a K. And you can have your your computer, uh, like whether you like you can do a server or you can do like your own local computer and have the streaming server activated and have your Android app connect to the streaming server. That is awesome. So your music can be stored on single individual location, but accessible in multiple places. Like, fantastic idea. I've actually used other music players in uh, the terminal before. And that more specifically, CMUS was the one I used the most. C-M-U-S, I use that the most. But Music Cube actually looks kind of better. Because, not necessarily just better, but it... it, it, it it's better in the sense that it seems more accessible. Uh, like it's it's better laid out. It's got like the album art artist genre like browsing. You can do about browse by uh, artist and have tracks based on that artist. You can have just all songs listed. If you want to use the music that is incredibly minimalistic, incredibly fast, and you know, like tons of shortcuts, and you're you're okay with using the command line. And for to doing that, then check out Music Cube, zero point four, zero point zero. CPod one point fourteen point zero was released this week, and it's a. If you haven't heard of CPod, you might have heard of the previous name, 
called cumulonimbus. 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 Okay, so hard. Good job changing the name to C-Pod. Much easier to say. Thank you. Uh, Cumulonimbus, or C-Pod, is uh, an app, a podcast app player or management tool for uh, Linux. It is it is based on Electron, which is not happy, uh, good for some people, but I'm okay with that. It's uh, it's it's fine for me. It, it has a lot of interesting features. There's a few things that are, are coming that are that you know they need to improve, but overall they've made a lot of improvement for since the past time I looked at it, since it was called Cumulonimbus, including changing the name. So, um, if you if you haven't heard of it, you should definitely check it out. In fact, if you if you're using uh, any particular Linux, you can just try out the app image. Oh, they also have a dev file, but the app image is available for pretty much every distro. So if you haven't uh, given this a shot, feel free to go download the app image and let me know what you think. Also, it, I mean, let me know what you think about the name change. Uh, I think they should, they they can make it a little bit better because CPod is kind of like not really obvious what it is, but it's definitely an improvement. So the KDE Slim Book version two. The Linux Ultrabook is uh, was announced this week, and it was uh, is announced. And it's what's really cool about it is that there's is a lot more powerful hardware. It's cheaper than it was previously. Um, that there's there's actually, I mean, it's 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 sold in uh, the UK and in Europe. So the the cost for US conversion is a little bit more than the listing, but you know that's understandable for where it's coming from. But it's a pretty cool looking laptop. It looks kind of Mac-ish like thingy, but you know, to be fair, Mac computers do look very good. So I'm okay with that. I think it looks good. So uh, the the Slim Book comes with a crisp Full HD 13.3 inch screen. It has a dual hard drive bay. Very cool because you can support for a second hard disk. It has support for M.2 drives. And like uh, multi-boot, by the way, is a good option for that second bay. Uh, it has a bigger multi-touch touchpad than the previous version, and it supports all kinds of different gestures and clicks. Uh, slick uh, backlit keyboard, and a powerful, powerful Wi-Fi antennas. So, typically, if you're not familiar, most laptops Wi-Fi antennas are terrible, and their distance is atrocious. So the fact that that's a that's a, a focal point sounds kind of silly in the sense of like it's Wi-Fi everybody has Wi-Fi or every every device has Wi-Fi but most laptop Wi-Fi antennas are garbage so it's really cool that they're putting effort into that so thank you and it has three full size USB ports and it has uh, one of those three is a USB Type C uh, port so that's pretty cool. Anyway, if you're interested, check out the link in the show notes for the KDE Slimbook 2. The Mycroft Mark II is on Kickstarter, and it has two, well, almost two weeks left to go. Way beyond their uh, budget, their, not budget, their goal that they wanted. They've got uh, $246,000 plus dollars pledged for the goal of 50000 that they wanted. So that's pretty cool. And if you've if heard of if you've not heard of Minecraft, it is an open source voice open source voice assistant can, like uh comparable to like Amazon Echo or Google Home. 
and Echo is the Alexa uh, device. So this is a really cool uh, project and company and all that stuff. If you haven't heard of it, it's that's it's it's a really interesting idea, and they've been around for a little while. Like they've had this is the version two, the Mark One is this one, and this is like I don't really like the face thing. I don't like the face thing. This was like a constant face thing, and it was like a like a robot type. It looks like Wally sort of, and this is a screen, uh, just an LCD screen. And you can have this this uh, face on it if you want to, but you can also just have uh, display content like a clock or whatever. Way better than the previous version. So thank you for making an update to the Mycroft and making it look good. Looks like something I actually might want to have in my house. I would prefer the outer casing to be black, but still, it's very nice looking. Good job there. The other thing about it is that the they've 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 improved the performance of it uh based on the the like the reliability of like the voice detection and what are you what you're saying and what it understands you or not made it they've improved the quality of the speakers and the mics well it's one speaker but there's six mics that's pretty cool so like in it you can it'll detect you from like as long as you're in the room somewhere it'll it'll be able to to, to listen to the the activation call they're also working on another version that has a camera built into it, so you can have like video calling and stuff like that, or and like camera plus the display, so you can have video calling. Now, because this particular device is focused on privacy and data independence, the camera feature will have a little switch that you can block the camera, so it won't actually do anything if you don't want it to. That is cool. I like that they're you know looking into that or taking that in consideration. It also, because it's privacy-based, does not store any voice data that you've activated by doing anything, doesn't have any ads or anything uh, while you're using it, like some of the other ones. And what I think is really cool is that Mozi like this particular version is not available yet. They're, you know, they're kickstarting it. It'll be somewhere at the end of the year. By the time they do that, this will this change will have been made. They will be using Mozilla's Deep Speech and Open Voice projects to make the Mycroft uh, responses and functionality even more better than it was. So that is fantastic because the if you haven't checked it out, Mozilla's Deep Speech and Open Voice projects are very cool, and you can actually contribute to that project very easily just by going to a website and then reading something or marking it whether it's ac it's accurate somewhat like what someone said to what you read that's pretty cool so you can you, you can contribute to the deep speech and open voice projects and then Minecraft using that fantastic so Minecraft mark 2 can't wait did not want the first one totally want this one so yeah mate 1.20 was released this week and a lot of exciting things came with this one. The uh, supports for now high DPI displays and dynamic detection and scaling, which means that they have it where when you, if you install Mate 1.20 on a, a laptop or desktop that has support for high res or high res display, it will automatically change the display, the DPI display for your monitor or whatever. So if you have high high res, 
It will just detect what it will it should be and then change it to that. Fantastic. It doesn't have fractional scaling. Uh, that's where it does like 1.3% or times increase. But what it does do is modify the icons for the high res as well as the fonts. And the fonts do have fractional scaling. So when you do when you change it, you can have the the images the, the images and icons will get bigger, but the are, are one particular size bigger, and then the fonts can just gra fluidly change to whatever you need it to be. That's fantastic, you know. Because uh, unfortunately, it, if if you have full fractional scaling, that'd be even better. But to mitigate that slight issue, the fonts probably the most important in my opinion to be big enough to read them you know so very cool they also added support for uh, DRI 3 and X present uh, for Marco which increases the uh, frame rates in games significantly when you're using Marco uh, Marco is the window manager for Mate if you're not aware there's also a compositor called Compton which uses which works inside of like in not inside of but along with Marco Marco now supports Dragging to Quantent window tiling. Uh, quant? What it, What does that mean? Anyway, Quadrant. What I meant to say was Quadrant. All right. <laughs> Which is the quarter, like a quarter panel up here. So like you can have a window that's like a quarter of the screen. And uh, you can. it'll work in every corner automatically. You just move the window to that corner and bam, Quadrant tiling. It's, uh, they also added support for the global menus uh, idea. Uh, they've already had a global menu, sort of, uh, but this is like the actual like full global menu, you know, release. So that's fantastic for anybody who really wants to have global menu. It's good to have. The Mate panel has been improved a lot as well with uh, status notifier items and just in general performance improvements. They've added uh, bookmark support with uh, GTK3 locations. Mate Terminal now supports background images. So you can have an, instead of like a, a, an opaque color or whatever, you can just change it to uh, an image instead. Um, not typically, I don't really understand why you'd want to do that, but you can, and that's great. They also added some uh, solarized themes and changed some key bindings. They've added a ton of new features and really basically like a full overhaul of the document viewer for the for the desktop uh, in particular for this they've uh, in, improved support for visually impaired users which is fantastic because you know accessibility is uh, heavily overlooked pardon the pun I just used uh, heavily overlooked for uh, most developers so it's really good that they've took effort into doing that uh, mate themes have seen significant improvements to fully implement all style classes exposed by the GTK 3.22 release. And the archive viewer is support uh, now has support for uh, 7-zip or 7-z archives. Great release for Mate 1.20. And if you if you want to check it out, you can check out Solus. Uh, Solus uh, already has support for it. And um, if you're, you know, that's probably, that's the most uh, polished release of 1.20 right now so uh, if you just want to you know play along with it just play around with the latest version check out Solus and otherwise uh, you know it'll come to your distro in time so yeah Mate 1.20
This week was announced the Plasma 5.12 release, and this is the first LTS since 5.8, so it's about a year and a half or so. And it's it's available right now if you want to try it out on KDE Neon, Kubuntu 17.10 via Backport PPA, OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, and Arch Linux. Now, what's in 5.12 is a new slim kickoff menu, which is the, the main menu that you get with uh, the default layout of Plasma. They've made it where you can move around the tabs at the bottom so you don't have to have all of them at the same time. And you can uh, remove it so that you can only have, you, you, if you only want the applications to show, you can move all everything else and just use that. So that's pretty cool. Um, in the background you see in this video, you'll see, you're seeing that the, the Plasma 5.12 promo video, I happen to have made that. So if you want to check it out, the link is in the video description. Anyway, up next is that they also had a notification text selecting that's improved. Uh, Discover has a lot of improvements, both in performance, stability, and some UI improvements. Like some, uh, it's consolidated, make it more streamlined, and also fix some little quirks. Like for example, the uh, update button scrolled away when you were if you scrolled down the list of updates. Now it's kind of annoying, but they fixed that, so now it's like it's a global menu, so that's really cool. Speaking of global menus, they improved it heavily. So one of the things that I didn't like about the the previous um, 5.12 or 5.11 version of global menus is that it didn't you have to go and uh, activate a process and some other things to make the global menu work. Now when you enable the widget, it just automatically works. So fantastic. So that that like that's that's a much better thing. So also. They've added so some jump lists so that you can uh, modify uh, the right-click context menu of any t any application in the task manager, and then add. And for example, in Dolphin, you can add new ones pretty quickly, just drag and drop. They've added um, media controls for the lock screen, folder folder view, uh, spring loading, which is really cool. If you haven't checked that out, definitely check out the promo video and find out what that is. And they've improved system settings, so it looks a lot more cleaner, a lot easier to use, more simple in in some cases as well, and much more, including improving performance, stability, especially in like boot speed. So you you can uh, open the application. I mean, open the application. You can boot your computer in a much faster percentage in comparison to like 5.8, which is about 30% faster. So if you're an LTS user of Plasma, you should definitely upgrade. It is worth it. So, Plasma 5.12. CoreOS was acquired by Red Hat. The announcement came recently, and this is an interesting, very, okay, it's very interesting to the few people that it affects. Not so much for everybody else, but I'm going to just give you like a brief explanation of why this is interesting, and you can decide whether or not that, if you care or not. Anyway, so, first, Kubernetes is an open source system for automating deployment, scaling, and management of containerized applications. That sounds like a ton of buzz buzzwords, and it kind of is, but it's also re relevant to what it is. Uh, Red Hat OpenShift is an enterprise-ready and comprehensive Kubernetes platform. CoreOS is a software company that provides solutions like Tectonic, which is an automated hybrid enterprise Kubernetes platform, and Container Linux which is a lightweight Linux distribution that provides automated updates uh, for uh, optimiz optimizing and running containers. So it makes a lot of sense that CoreOS would be bought by Red Hat anyway. Like it, just, it just makes sense because it's 
essentially investing in their own Kubernetes platform by adding CoreOS to that platform. And CoreOS is kind of like a one of the biggest uh, competitions for Docker, and Docker's like the mecca sort of thing of this this server container platform structure. And uh, so it's really good for Red Hat to acquire CoreOS because it provides a lot of extra tools and uh, utilities for their 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 services, their offerings. If you're uh, if you're interested in any of that, check out the links in the video description, and uh, let me know what you think, and let me know if you like this kind of stuff. Uh, as far as like being on the show, I'd be uh, very interested to see uh, what your response is to that. So anyway, CoreOS acquired by Red Hat, pretty big deal uh, for the people that it affects. Up next in the show is Canonical Corner, or like wherever all the Ubuntu stuff goes. Ubuntu 18.04 LTS daily builds are now going to be using Xorg by default instead of Wayland. And this makes the most sense because I don't know, they haven't really said that it's, it's like if this, if the daily builds change is going to be like permanent for, but probably will be, probably. Because it's an LTS and they don't really want to risk running, you know, people trying to install it and not work or because Wayland doesn't work on their hardware or something like that. Now, they did kind of uh, compensate for that in 17.10, but it's just to play it safe. It is an LTS, so it's a good idea for them to do this. Ubuntu LTS could also could also come with a Snaps apps uh, pre-installed, so that would be interesting. There, it was a it was a, it's not actually they haven't really said for sure it's going to happen or not. It's just something that they that someone has suggested they might consider. Which would be interesting if they were to do that. Because uh, Ubuntu Amate was actually already the first distro to provide a snap by default. So this would be cool. This would be like a, a somewhat new thing. And uh, I'd be really definitely interested to see what the applications they chose, if they were to do it, would be. Uh, Ubuntu Amate was like a command line tool. So it wasn't that like extensive. But I would expect uh, Ubuntu to be more uh, ambitious for it. Although being the first ever to do something is definitely ambitious. So that sound is weird. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so Meltdown Inspector are actually delaying a, the, the next release of Ubuntu 16.04.4, which is the next LTS release of the previous LTS, or the current, technically the current LTS. Uh, so this is, if you want to look for like the details, the show notes has a link to this particular article that says uh, tells you everything you need to know. But essentially what it says is that melt the, the Meltdown Inspector uh, vulnerabilities are keeping the release coming because uh, it's, it, it's it's slowing down the process and they need to make, make sure it's accurate before they release that new ISO. Like, they've already got uh, the update available to people who are using 6.04, so you're not, it's not like you're worried about that, getting that or anything. It's just they want to make sure that the next release of the full like full upgrade release of the 16.04 LTS is ready with that in mind. So anyway, uh, Canonical Corner. OpenSoup is a leap. 15 had some announcements this week and also some tumbleweed news as well. The first thing is OpenSoup is a leap. 15 will bring Plasma 5.12 and Wayland to leap. Now, this is interesting because the, the Plasma 5.12 has a lot of Wayland support. It's not the default. It's not the focus yet. It will be soon, but it's not now. 
because of the LTS. But it is interesting that because the uh, Plasma 5.12 has Wayland, Leap will be updating pretty soon, and they're going to use 5.12 for Leap, which will include Wayland support in Leap. So that's pretty cool. Also, Plasma 5.12 is currently now in, uh, available in OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, which is the rolling release version of OpenSUSE. And I've actually tried this particular version of, of uh, Tumbleweed just a couple days ago. It is nicely done, and it is, it's, it's, it's very stable, and everything that I was hoping they would include, they did. So that's great. Now, the one interesting thing is that OpenSUSE Education branch from, uh, you know, the, the, it's like an, open, it's an education-based version of OpenSUSE for schools and universities and things. It seems like this is going to be ending with the next version of Leap. So they're not going to like remove, like, del- like it'll be after Leap. So like Leap 15 will come out, OpenSUSE Education will still exist at the time, but then at that point they're, dis- they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to end the project. But if they do, it's not that big of a difference because it's just, it's essentially it's like a re-spin sort of, of, or maybe remix of OpenSUSE for educational purposes. But if you install those applications and packages from that, that project into just basic OpenSUSE, then you pretty much have OpenSUSE education. So it's not necess- it's not really a necessary thing. It's, uh, it's nice to have in some cases, but I think OpenSUSE Leap would be a better choice for schools and universities if they wanted to go that route because uh, Leap is a lot more active and the the fact that it's based on tumbleweed with snapshot system really cool i should do a video about the leap and tumbleweed structure because it is a really interesting system and if you haven't checked it out then you know either uh go look in the video descriptions for these links for these these topics or you know subscribe make sure you don't miss that uh, video where i talk about it so yeah anyway OpenSUSE Leap 15 and Tumbleweed Plasma 5.12. Linux Driver Management 1.0 was released by the Solus Project recently, and the Linux Driver Management provides a core library and some tooling to enable the quick and easy enumeration of system devices and functionality to match devices to packages and drivers. Essentially, it makes it easier for the system to automatically uh, install and select various different drivers and manage them throughout the system without much interaction with the user. So that's you know that that's a fantastic goal. Uh, LDM 1.0 is no longer tied to package management specifics and is instead designed to be used as a library, so you can include it in other distros. Uh, theoretically, I uh, don't see why I wouldn't be able to. Developers can integrate into their software centers and driver management systems to provide detection capabilities, so you can have uh, automatically detect the drivers needed for any individual uh, software center. So that's fantastic. The initial release is designed to support the the end goals of Solus 4. So Solus 4's software center will probably be the first, almost guaranteed, the first version or the first software center to include support for the Linux driver management. And it's going to provide um, detection for NVIDIA cards, printers, Logitech devices, YubiKeys, all kinds of stuff. So that is fantastic, and I am very happy to see this being made because this this is pretty much a game changer for um, uh, you know just general distro uh, 
I got compatibility, but like device um, device detection, and it's just like it'll it just increases the uh, ease of use that it is to become a Linux user because your hardware will be detected and things can be done with that. So that's fantastic. Good job, Solus pro Solus team, and uh, thank you. So Linux driver management 1.0. This week's episode was so jam packed with good news. There wasn't much time for Linux gaming. There were about a dozen topics for Linux gaming that couldn't fit into the show, even though I really wanted to put them in. So this got me thinking. This situation kind of happens a lot, so I was hoping I could get your feedback for a possible solution. I was thinking about making a spin-off show for Linux gaming, and I was wondering what do you think about the idea? Are you interested in gaming? If so, are you interested in watching a show about Linux gaming GNU's? I'm very curious to get your opinion, so please let me know in the comment section. Now let's let's get to the Linux gaming news. Well, that the ones that I could fit in. The Nintendo Switch has been hacked to run Linux, so they found an exploit that allowed them to make it make the the Switch run Linux instead of the default uh, Switch operating system. That is fantastic. Now this was done by the uh, Fail Overflow team, and they posted this information on Twitter. Uh, they didn't really give much information, but it's really interesting and it's really cool. Like, they announced that this was going to happen within like a, like a couple months, a couple months ago, and uh, it was pretty quick that they were able to do this. Though, so. so they they the interesting thing about this not only is it just really cool that it can work, but they made a claim that's you know if true is really amazing that the patch the exploit that they used is not possible to patch by Nintendo. If that's true, then that could be huge. I mean, bit good or bad, I don't know. Huge for like a homebrew app structure, software development uh, for Switch in the future. Because if this exploit is not patchable, this could be like, uh, pardon the pun, game-changing. So, next up, and last finally in the show, is... The latest update, the 1.41 patch of Rocket League. Now, if you've ever watched this show before and ever seen me mention gamings on this show, and more than likely I've mentioned Rocket League, I've, I've, I've talked about Rocket League quite a few times. Probably one of my favorite show games ever, but the newest update brings a whole new season. New crate to, like, get cosmetic stuff, which is... I, I, okay, admittedly, in the beginning, I thought the crate thing would be stupid because all the cosmetic stuff would be like ridiculous and who cares. Uh, I like it now. I do. I have a little bit. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, new crate, new black market decals. If you're not a fan of the game, you probably won't know what that means, but it's really, really cool uh, effects and animations and stuff for your car. Anyway, doesn't matter. Whole new car. Uh, the other thing about it is that it's coming with a new uh, tournament mode, so you can like create your own tournaments in like your own community, which is going to be cool. So when that happens, if you play Rocket League, let me know. Um, anyway, so I was thinking about doing some streaming for the stream for the channel and some gaming streaming stuff. Like not only just I do the live stream for the show, but I also do like I want to do some like gaming streaming as well. And I was thinking, what better? game to start with than Rocket League. So if you're interested, let me know in the comments below or in the live chat or uh, send me a message on tw on uh, YouTube and uh, maybe I'll do like a YouTube stream or a Twitch stream. I don't know. Whatever. 
if you're interested let me know and um yeah rocket league thanks for watching this episode of this week in linux if you like what i do here on the show please hit that like button and be sure to subscribe if you'd like to support the channel you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash patreon or you can order the linux is everywhere t-shirt by going to tuxdigital.com slash linux is everywhere or if you don't want to type as much you can go to tuxdigital.com slash shirt just a reminder this show is live every saturday at 1 p.m eastern so join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest linux good news each week thanks again for watching i'm michael tonnell with tux digital and as always keep using learning and enjoying linux <laughs>